Hi listeners, welcome back to Adopting the Podcast. As always, I'm so excited to be your host for this journey. I'm Nicole Witt, Executive Director of the Adoption Consultancy, where we guide pre-adoptive parents step-by-step through the adoption journey. In Adopting the Podcast, we're going to focus on the issues, questions, and concerns you have as you get started in your adoption journey. This is for people just considering brand new to or early in the process who are trying to get their questions answered and figure out their best path forward, learn about what to expect and how the process works. In our last episode, we talked about sharing the big news that you've decided to adopt, including who to tell, when to tell, how to tell, and how to handle it if you don't receive the response you were hoping for. Today, we're going to flip the script. This episode actually isn't for you. It's for you to share with your family and friends so that they can learn how to support you throughout your adoption journey. We're going to start with some adoption basics just to make sure they they have kind of that minimum amount of knowledge about the process. Then we're going to talk about things such as what they should and shouldn't say and what they should and shouldn't do. Um, Especially when we're talking about maybe your parents or older relatives, they may have some very outdated beliefs about adoption, things that were true in the past, but are very different now. So today we want to make sure they have an understanding of what adoption currently looks like, what your journey will entail, what any future relationship you may have with your child's birth mom may look like, and more. To discuss this topic, my guest today is Leah Wild. She's Director of Adoption Services for My Florida Adoptions Adoption Agency. Leah works with adoptive parents, educating them throughout the adoption process and completing home studies and post-placement supervision. She also works to match expectant parents with adoptive parents. She's been working in private adoption for over 15 years. Thanks so much for joining us today, Leah. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. As you know, it's so important for pre-adoptive parents to have a loving and informed support system. And I truly believe that most people do want to be a support to their loved ones going through this process, but many of them simply don't know how, and they don't know what they don't know, right? right? So, you know, perhaps they're completely unaware about the ways in which adoption has changed significantly over the years, or they just don't realize how helpful it would be for them to be more informed about the process. Um, or even if they do realize that, they don't know how to go about acquiring that information. So that's where we're going to step in to help. Let's start with a super high level adoption 101, right? Obviously, this is something we could both talk about for hours and and we both do with our clients. (laughs) So admittedly, this is going to be a very brief primer. Um, But let's start by talking about the expectant moms. What are some of the unfounded stereotypes that you often hear about as compared to the reality of who these women are? I think that a common stereotype because of movies or television shows is to assume that the majority of expectant mothers would be teenagers Mm -hmm. or of college age. However, as you know, that is rarely the case. I would say the typical expectant mother would be between the age of 21 to 35 years old. It is common that they have had at least one child and may have child or children in their care. So they know what it takes to parent a child. And that all goes into their choice to place for adoption. They also may have children living with family members or even in foster care. So not in their care specifically. 
Yeah. And I think that's a really good point about that. They know what it takes, right? Financially, emotionally, um, from a time perspective, right? And they know that if they did try to parent another child, not only would their ability impact that child, but it would impact the child that maybe they're already caring for. Absolutely. And and one of the things that I always tell my clients is that one of the other things they know by being parents already is they know how much they're going to love that baby, right? Like I, there's this huge misnomer that drives me crazy where people assume that the birth mom doesn't want to parent the child. And that's uh, the words that a lot of people use where, you know, I find that nothing could be further from the truth, right? There, there's nothing she wants more than to be able to provide for that child, but she really understands that that she just can't. Is, is that what you see as well? Yes, absolutely. You know, placing a child for adoption, it's not giving up as some of the old verbiage used to be with adoption. It's very much a loving choice. They've considered all of their options and they believe this is the best way for their child to thrive and have every opportunity given to him or her. And that's the perfect um, opening for for a tangent that I just want to mention, um, talking about some of the language that, that people use. It's really important to use positive adoption language because people's words can just communicate things beyond what their intention might be. So for those of you listening who are unfamiliar with positive adoption language, we have done a whole other episode on that um, early on. I think it might've been our, our second episode or something. It was very early that we did it, but I would highly recommend that you go and take a listen to that. And that in and of itself will go a long way to help you be a positive support to your loved one who's adopting. Okay, so let's talk about some of the, the real basics of the adoption process. A lot of people still think that the agency does the matching and that it's an agency's job to find a baby for the adoptive parents. But that's not at all how it works these days, right? In fact, the agency's job is to find the right family for the baby, which is a very different thing. And they do that by giving the expectant mom control over selecting who the adoptive parents will be. So can you share a bit about how that process works? Yes. So when an agency or an attorney is first meeting with expectant parents, they go over what the expectant parents are looking for in an adoptive family, whether the family they're looking for is a single parent, traditional, same-sex couple, whether they have children in their home, whether they do not have children, even if they live in the state of Florida or outside of Florida, and then what they're looking for in terms of openness. Do they want an open adoption, including visits? Would they like pictures and letters? Would they like just a semi-open adoption? So all that goes into play then when we look at the families that we have waiting to see what families would be a good fit for the expectant parents. So once we're able to see those families and who the families are that might be a good fit, we then reach out to those families and say, okay, here's the situation. This is everything we know about this opportunity. Would you like to present your profile book to them? Or is this not a situation that you're comfortable with? And then for the ones that say, yes, we want to present, that's the exciting part. Then we're able to present those profiles to the expectant parents. And then it really has been that we've done the the work on what the expectant parents are looking for and are then only presenting profiles based upon what their preferences are. Okay. Okay. Perfect. 
And you kind of led into to another point. And I think another thing that is new or unknown to, to many people outside of, you know, the adoption bubble that we live in is that the expectant mom and the adoptive parents almost always build some form of relationship during the course of the match, which continues at the hospital and even after the official adoption. Can you talk about what that openness can look like and how agencies in general tend to facilitate this? Yes. So at the time of match, the adoptive parents, they're going to be aware of what the expectant parents are looking for in regards to openness. This, of course, can evolve during the pregnancy as the adoptive parents and expectant parents get to know each other and build a relationship organically. But the overall basics will be known at the time of match open adoption, semi-open adoption, or closed adoption. An open adoption, which I alluded to previously, would mean that they meet they exchange personal contact information and most likely have visits following placement. The next would be semi-open adoption, which is they typically meet still prior to delivery, which the agency or the attorney would facilitate. And then following placement is typically pictures and letters sent for 18 years. And every agency or attorney, they have different requirements, as do expectant parents and then adoptive parents as well. And then the third would be a closed adoption. And that is not something that we see a whole lot of these days. I think decades ago, closed adoptions, they were much more prevalent than they are now. Mm -hmm. But a closed adoption would be, we don't know names, we don't meet, and we don't receive pictures and letters following placement. So that's what we see very rarely, but it does happen. And it's up to the expectant parents what they want. But I would say the most common would be semi-open. Okay. Okay. And how common is semi-open versus fully open do you tend to see? We've been, at least at our agency, many more cases of semi-open rather than completely open. Although I will say in the past few years, we see, you know, open adoptions becoming more prevalent, um, especially with social media and just how adoption is celebrated now in movies and television. And, you know, families really want that open adoption. They want to be able to have that relationship for their child for life. So we are seeing more cases of that. Uh, but I still would think that semi-open is the most common. Okay. Okay. And I think that, you know, this is a huge area of misconception, especially because it is something that has changed drastically over not that much time. So people who knew things about adoption maybe a couple of decades ago, it's, it's very different. And I think a lot of those misconceptions are, are based in fear, right? So of course, your loved ones don't want to see you get hurt. And, and they may not understand that openness and adoption is not at all co-parenting, right? And that's what a lot of people think it is, right? Yes. And having the even just the pictures and letters or an open adoption, it's very healthy for the child, for the adoptive parents and for the birth parents as well. Every time the birth parents receive the pictures and letters, that's reiterating to them, I made the right choice. My child is alive, healthy, being loved and cared for. Look how happy the family is. I did the right thing. Whereas if they don't receive any updates, there's always that question mark. Are they happy? Is my child healthy? Is everything okay? Did I do the right thing? So it's very, very healthy. You know, birth parents, they're not wanting pictures and letters to, 
you know, know what school the child's going to. Those are the scary misconceptions right. that, you know, you see in, in media a lot of times, unfortunately. But it's just knowing that everyone, that the plan is still continuing as they wanted, that everyone is happy, healthy, and loved. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. You know, a lot of people when they their initial reaction is to lean more towards a closed adoption because they worry about, you know, those, those rumors or those things you see on, on the lifetime movies about the birth mom coming back and showing up on their doorstep. But in reality, if she has that reinforcement about knowing how the child's doing well, she's going to have much less of a need for that or an interest in that versus if she has no idea, you know, how her child's doing. Right. Absolutely. And I always encourage to families as well to keep a copy of the updates that they send to the birth parents, because how wonderful to share with the child one day, 18 years of pictures and letters that you sent to their birth parents. It just shows such a respect for the child's adoption story. Mm -hmm. And it's also healthier for the child as well, right? So they don't have these fantasies about who their birth parents might be or they don't have so many unanswered questions. They don't have to wonder things about, well, you know, why was I placed for adoption? And and they have these, you know, sometimes they can have these thoughts in their head about, you know, was I bad? You know, was there something right. wrong with me? Absolutely. And getting to get all those questions answered can really go a long way to to supporting the the mental health of the child. And so I find that adoptive parents, and you probably see this too, their perspective on openness really changes and evolves from early on in the adoption process to later. But a lot of times their their family and, and friends and support group, it doesn't because they're not having those interactions, right? Right. Absolutely. So yeah, so I think it's important for them to understand that. One of, the, I think, an excellent resource, listeners, if you want to share with your families, um, is a book called In On It. And it's written by Elizabeth O'Toole. And I think that's really an excellent resource to go more in depth about some of these things that we just touched very briefly on in terms of what adoption is and isn't and things that, that may put you at ease if you're, you know, worried about um, your loved ones getting hurt in, during the process. Leah, do you have any other um, resources that you would recommend? I think a wonderful resource would be America Adopts, which is mm -hmm. a website with information and education on adoption. It has a lot of information, too, about supporting loved ones who are in the adoption process. Also, Adoption Learning Partners. They offer webinars, courses all about adoption, even basics, Adoption 101, things like that. So I think that's always good to get family and friends involved in learning alongside of you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So I think that once these support folks kind of have a basic understanding of the process, let's talk about how they can be as helpful as possible. Do you have key tips for the top things that people should and shouldn't say to someone pursuing adoption? Maybe we should start with what they shouldn't say, because I think that tends to lend important context to the category of, of what they should say. Do you have any yes. thoughts on that or some of the things that you sometimes hear that, that make you cringe a little bit? Yes. I say number one would be how much is this going to cost you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is private for your family or friends who are adopting. And that's not something they want to hear. Obviously, finances, that is a part of the adoption process, but it can be a stressful part as well. So to hear from those in your circle questions about it and how are you going to pay for that, that can be really negative to hear. Also, 
aren't you scared about this happening or that happening? Yes, they are. They definitely are scared right. of those things. I heard this so, horror story, right? <laughs> yes. So they don't want, they don't need to hear you also saying the same things. And then also what we kind of mentioned before, you know, why are the parents giving them up? You know, that's a very common question. What's going on in their lives? That's not anyone's business, but the prospective adoptive family and the child, but just not to ask that, you know, like we said before, it's a loving choice. No one is giving up. They're choosing to place. And there are a number of reasons surrounding their decision. So to be respectful of that, even from afar. And then I would say another one would be, isn't this going to take you forever? You've already gone through infertility and you waited, you know, isn't this going to take a long time? I've heard it could take years. It could take a while, but once again, that's not something they need pointed out. They're very well aware of the time period that they could be waiting. <laughs> right, right. And, and also, I, I think a big one is, well, have you considered this or have you tried that or have you looked into this and, and putting out all these other options? They have, right? Yes, they've considered it deeply and this is the decision that they've come to. Okay, so so a lot of what they should say is kind of just the flip side of what not to say. But do you have other thoughts or comments about what some of the most helpful statements are? Yes, I think congratulating the family. They're on a journey to become parents. And this is something that should be celebrated just as if they were finding out and announcing that they're expecting a child. So to congratulate them and be excited alongside of them, to support and encourage them along the way, be that listening ear if they're, you know, on the top of the adoption roller coaster ride. So just to be there and, and let them know that you're there to listen and to be a support and asking what you can do to help. Maybe it's, you know, assisting them in fundraising, organizing a fundraiser. There are many things that you can do to help them at the beginning of their adoption process. And then taking an interest in the process of adopting, listening to these podcasts, you know, educating yourself so that you are educated and you can understand the process and what they're going through more. Absolutely. And, and I think if you don't know how to do some of those things, which would be, you know, very normal, just asking them, right? Very open-ended questions. How can I support you? Let me know what you need. I'm here to listen, right? And letting them know that you're there to be that non-judgmental support. Yes. So a lot of this kind of overlaps with actions, and we've already touched on some of those, but is there anything that you see that are um, maybe some typical or common mistakes that loved ones make when they're trying to be supportive, but they're just kind of missing the mark in, in terms of actions that they take? Yes, I would say number one would be do not plan a shower prior to bringing the child home. Obviously, you want to be excited and support them and give them everything that the child needs, whether it be an infant or a toddler, older child. But holding off on that until they bring a child home is best. As we know in adoption, nothing is final until the papers are signed. And if you're matched with an expectant mom who is due with a boy and your friends and family lovingly throw you a shower, which is wonderful, of all these boy things, mm -hmm. and then the expectant mom chooses after delivery to parent you're going to go home to a nursery full of baby boy items. And that can be very difficult to walk by every day. And then also not knowing the child that you end up adopting 
could be a girl. And then right. what do you do? So it's just, it, it's very helpful if you want to assist them in a car seat, a gender neutral car seat or a pack and play. Babies need very basic things initially. And then to wait when they bring that child home and it's appropriate time health-wise and everything to have friends and family over to celebrate that child coming home. And that's when you can buy all of the fun things and have a shower. So just wait on that until everything is final. Okay. Excellent advice. Are there other key actions you recommend that people take to show their support? I know you've touched on a few of them already. Yeah, I think, like I said before, to offer to assist with a fundraiser with family and friends that you could do if you know that they're raising funds for their adoption. Also, once they bring a child home to schedule and organize a meal train, that's wonderful for families when they first come home with a, with a child just to have meals dropped off at their home, offering to, if a family is traveling out of state, offering to donate airline miles or hotel points to just assist them in their travel. So there are so many ways that you can be supportive during the process and after as well. Yeah, those are great points. And, and I actually want to follow up on, on two of them that you just said. So one, right, is the, the helping with the fundraiser or donating hotel points or miles. Because like we talked about, when people ask how much is this going to cost, it is an expensive process. And yeah, not everybody's in a position to to give money to help them. But there are absolutely things that you can do to help make it more affordable for them, like some of those things that you just mentioned. So just, you know, if you're not in a position to write them a check, that doesn't mean you can't help them with the financial aspect of things. I think that's really important. And and then you also mentioned the meal train. You know, I think to say it sounds so obvious, but I think the whole concept of treat them the same way that you would treat anybody else who just brought their baby home, right? Yeah, um, because you hear from so many families that they feel that they get treated differently and in some ways less than, which is really quite tragic. So the simplest thing to do is to think, what would I do for somebody else who just had a baby? You know, can I stop by and watch the baby for an hour while you go take a nice relaxing shower? Right? <laughs> like yes. all of those same things are very much welcome. Yes. And it's important to remember as well that post-adoption depression is very real for adoptive mm -hmm. parents. You've gone through this emotional roller coaster of adoption. You've also walked alongside of an expectant parent and then birth parent after she delivers. You've sometimes watched her say goodbye to the child. And then you have all of these feelings, you know, so you may not have just given birth to a child and have crazy hormones, but a lot of times adoptive parents feel guilt knowing that, you know, they're enjoying all of these firsts and the birth parents are, are grieving. And if they built this wonderful relationship, it's very common to feel very low. And I think it's very common not to share that with your friends and family because you've been hopeful and excited to adopt and you've wanted a child. And then to say, I'm struggling here, that's hard to actually put into words. So I think as a support system to know that's very real and to be there and to understand the reasoning that they may have those hard days and feel very low because of what they just experienced that nobody else has. I think that's really important. And they may be so hesitant to say something because they're so worried about being judged, right? They're, they're thinking the reaction is going to be, well, this is what you wanted, right? <laughs> you just went through all this for us. What are you complaining about? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that is an excellent, excellent point. 
Um, and I think we've kind of touched on too. I, I think just the key thing is asking them what they want. You know, how often are you, do you want me to ask you how it's going? Or do you not want me to ask you how it's going? You know, with the baby shower, what, what do you want? When do you want it? What do you want it to look like? Right. I think just opening those lines of communication and not being scared, you know, to ask them and to have the conversations about it. And the more like you were talking about the importance of educating themselves, the more comfortable, you know, people will then be doing that. So I think that all kind of goes hand in hand. Awesome. Well, I think those are some excellent, excellent tips, Leah. Thank you so much. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap up? No, I think this is wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. You have such an informative podcast. I want all adoptive families and immediate circles to listen because it's so informative and adoption is so, there's so many unknown aspects, especially if you're not in the process. So to be that support system, it's very important to educate yourself. Awesome. Well, again, listeners, my guest today has been Leah Wild, Director of Adoption Services for My Florida Adoptions Adoption Agency. The best way to reach Leah would be by email. It's Leah, L-E-A-H, at MyFL for Florida, MyFLAdoptions, plural, dot com. Um, and you can also check out the agency's website, which is MyFLAdoptions.com. And if you are interested in home study services through My Florida Adoptions, they have made the incredibly generous offer of $300 off of your home study if you mention this podcast when you reach out to Leah. So thank you so much for that, Leah. Um, but of course, listeners, most of all, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I hope you're able to share this episode with those in your support circle and that by doing so, your adoption is more positive than it would have otherwise been. Take care and I'll catch you next time. 